you find that porn is stealing your time, draining your energy, ruining relationships, and robbing you of your power? It's time to take your power back. Eric Zuzak tried 12-step programs and felt powerless when they didn't work. He then discovered the power of mindfulness in combating addictions. Porn Talk is about reclaiming your power to end your porn addiction. It's how Eric transformed from powerless Eric to powerful Eric. Ready to break your porn addiction? Learn from Eric, the powerful Eric. Here's your host, Eric Zuzak. Welcome to Porn Talk. This is Powerful Eric. This show is not just about breaking addictions. It's about breaking belief systems. We are bound by self-imposed and societal chains. Break those rusty, nasty old chains. Get empowered right now. Today, I'm excited about the guest we have. We have with us J.R. Spear. Actually, I know J.R. from his mother. I was one of her martial arts instructors. And long story short, it turns out actually convoluted story. I actually was a instructor for J.R. Spear and didn't even know it under his company. And J.R. is a military veteran from the Iraq war. He is a coach. He has been in martial arts since he was a little kid. He was coaching. He was instructing at age 13. He's a black belt. He is a husband, father, combat veteran, has built several six-figure businesses Welcome, J.R. Spear. Welcome. No, thank you so much. That was a good intro. I appreciate that. You're welcome. So, J.R., just to um, get right into it, tell us some of the trauma that you had to recover from from uh, the Iraq war. And there's one specific day that actually changed the entire outcome of my entire life. So on February 7, 2007, I was at a walking checkpoint. And, you know, at the walking checkpoint, we searched everyone that walks in and out of the city. I'm standing in the center with another Marine where we were you know, kind of in the walkway where we can see both people walking in and out. And while we're standing there, I didn't really see where the chaplain was. There was a wall and that went into a small courtyard. And then there was a building there that we had like a, a post on top so we can oversee the city and the water and, and things like that where we're at. And so the chaplain was in the center courtyard area. And I just got like this weird feeling like an audible sound saying, Hey, go check on the chaplain. You need to move. And I didn't respond. And it happened like three times. It was like, Hey, go check on the chaplain. You need to move. Then all of a sudden the third time when I, when I was like hearing that voice, you know, just kind of inside of my head, I started feeling ill. It's like, man, okay, now I'm not feeling well. I was feeling really good. The whole, the, it was sunny outside and there was no reason for me to be, for me to be feeling sick. And so I, I listened and I was like, Oh shoot, I, I feel like I'm gonna get ready to throw up. So I left the Marine. And as I was walking through and I'm going around this turn, I walked by my Sergeant major, my Sergeant major passes me. I greet him. Good morning, Sergeant major. He looks down at me saying, good morning, RP. He's over by the other Marine when at that, that center walkway uh, where we were both standing. And as I made that turn, a guy walking through the checkpoint lifted his arms, strapped a C4 and blew himself up. So it was a suicide bomber. I was the closest person to him at that time. If I didn't respond to that voice and feeling sick to be able to move, I would have been in the same place as my Sergeant Major was. And, and Sergeant Major actually sat, paid the ultimate sacrifice and he ended up dying during that blast. The other Marine that I was standing next to lost both of his legs. Our interpreter, Jimmy, he ended up dying. Jennifer Purcell, another Marine that was at the front of the checkpoint, she actually died as well. And there was a bunch of other injuries. And then I was thrown, left unconscious, not know, really knowing if I lost a leg, if I lost an arm or what happened. My whole face is numb. Big ringing on the right side of my face. I still have numbness today, 15 years later, on the right side of my face and 
ringing. My right arm's still jacked up and uh, where I have limited a rotation of use of my arm. But so I, I didn't, I didn't assess whether I had everything going on with me. All I knew is I had the, the chaplain there on the ground and he's trying to crawl to get underneath shelter. And I saw him trying to move and I, I couldn't even see to my left or right of straight tunnel vision. And I saw another, uh, my gunny on my first sergeant waving, couldn't hear him or anything like that. So I grabbed the chaplain and I'm crawling and dragging him to shelter as fast as I can and make sure that there was nothing else that would actually happen. So I wanted to paint a little bit of the picture of what, what I actually went through. But the big thing that I want people to take away from hearing that story and what I want to kind of lead into the next piece is not about what happened during that ambush. It's how we responded that meant everything. In life, we need to make sure that we are prepared for any type of danger or threats and what I call your ambush. And what I call an ambush is anything that throws you off balance and takes you by surprise. Right. This could be COVID. This could be, you know, a pandemic. This could be an employee quitting. This could be a, you know, an illness, a death in the family, you know, anything, your car breaking down or whatever it may be. It's anything that throws you off balance. But the big thing that I want people to take away is, are you going to be prepared for when the ambush actually happens? So 10 years later, yeah. So 10 years later, I didn't even, I didn't even think about it, but I I think about this event every single day of my life. There's not a day that goes by where I'm not thinking about what happened on February 7, 2007, because I, I have limited rotation of my arm. Everything hurts. I'm always in pain and I'm always reminded about what happened. But 10 years after that blast happened, I'm looking back and I'm like, man, you know, even though that day sucked, it was really cool to really reflect of how we all responded. I responded to be able to pull the chapel and get them to safety and making sure that there was no other danger. We had other Marines that went out and patrolled the city to making sure there's no other threats. We had the corpsman that got to the injured. We had comm that called in the, hel- the, the helicopters to come in and evacuate the, you know, the, the injured and uh, the, the ones that got seriously hurt. And so everyone kind of knew the place, what they were doing, and they reacted and responded without thinking. And that only happens through continuous training and something that I call ICE method. And this applies to anyone in business, anyone with addictions, anyone in any life is if you want to overcome something, first thing you need to do is identify the threats. So what are the threats that is keeping you from getting to where you want to go? What are the threats that's going to force you to stumble? What are the threats that's going to get you to do something that you don't want to do? You need to identify those key problems. So the threats are the different problems. So before we went to combat, before we went to Iraq and stepped foot on the sandbox, we had to identify the key threats that we would possibly come against. So suicide bombers, uh, you know, snap shooters, um, IEDs, all these different things. And we had to make sure, or even culture and environment things. We had to do this training to making sure that we prepared for these different situations, even physically, even mentally, everything is involved with it. But we need to first identify what those were. So what are the key problems that are facing people in addiction, in limiting beliefs, whatever it may be in life in general, you need to identify those key threats. And this applies to every individual in life if you want to overcome something. So first thing is identify the threats. The second thing is to create a plan. Identify the threats. Now you got to create a plan that's going to help you overcome and making sure that you're prepared for overcoming those different threats. So if I knew it was going to be ID snipers or even environmental different things, we created a training plan to making sure that we are ready for this. If people have an addiction or they have something that they need to overcome, identify the problems first. Now create a plan that's going to help you overcome that. And the third part is is execution. So that's the E. So you need to execute the mission that you have put in place because without a plan, you're going to fail. It's inevitable. If you're training for a marathon 
and you you got a race on a set scheduled date that you need to make sure that you're going to go do, you're going to do what it takes to be prepared to make sure that you're ready for that race. At least any smart person would do. Some people will just show up that day and just go through the pain and push through. But most people are going to prepare, have a plan, know what to do. That way they have a successful race day. That's what we need to do inside of life. And GR, unfortunately, most guys with addictions, be it porn addiction, alcohol, drugs, whatever, there is no plan. They are just winging it. They're trying to do it on their own. There is no plan. And that's what I offer is structure, a structured plan to follow. And a lot of these guys have traumas that they're overcoming as well. I use tapping to help them overcome that addiction, EFT, the emotional freedom technique. So anyway, please continue. So talking about trauma and then going back to the question you did, and I wanted to paint the picture of what I went through. When I came back from Iraq, that happened February 7th of 07. They did not bring me home. They did not medically evacuate me or anything like that, even though they should have, because I couldn't even lift my arm uh, for for long months on end. I still had ringing in my ears for probably three or four weeks after that uh, actually happened, but they never did anything to send me home or medically check me or anything like that. And I wow. still suffer today because of all that stuff. Wow. But when I came back, you know, we got back from deployment on May 31st, 2007. I was, I finished my uh, contract in the, in the military that, uh, you know, that July. So I was out July 10th and I went straight to college full-time in St. Louis. I launched the martial arts school, the one off Lindbergh Boulevard and did that all in 2007. So I kept myself busy. There was a period of time years later, you know, in 2000, that happened in 2007, 2009, I got married. And then I, I, I walked away from the martial arts school, sold the business. And then I started a bootcamp business and built that in three different cities. But then there was a period of time in 2014, 2015, when everything started coming down on me hard and talking about trauma and talking about like really reliving the experience. I didn't really know that I was suffering from PTSD and different things that happened because of that event. I thought I was normal. You know, the way that it was, I didn't really recognize that I had a problem, that there was something truly wrong with me, but my wife had encouraged me. She was like, Hey, you know, you got free services, at the VA, why don't you go get checked out? And so I go get checked out and this is probably, so that, that was probably in 2011 or 2012. And they diagnosed me with chronic PTSD. And because every, the way that I reacted, the way I responded to different events and the way that I lived my life was not normal to, to society, but to me, that was normal. So I didn't even recognize or knew that I had trauma that I was dealing with. And then I went through years and even today, I still go through it of continuous therapy and just kind of going through it because it's something that you don't really overcome or kind of get through 100%, but it's learning how to cope with it. So that way you can deal with stressful situations or whatever that may be. And so the, through through the trauma and stuff like that, you know, I went through major depression. I shut down my boot camp business overnight, literally, and just kind of hit under a rock, put on 60 pounds and just kind of like just not taking care of myself and not caring about life. Went why through, why did you why did you go into a shell? You had the boot camp business going and what happened there? So I lost purpose. I lost the reasons why I was doing what I was doing. I, I lost the fire. I lost everything. And I just started going through life, just not caring about anything, not for myself, not for anyone else. And just kind of didn't have anything to do with life. Okay. And if, if I could, so listener, if you're listening to this now and you're feeling hopeless, despondent, like you don't care about things, but obviously you care a little bit because you're here listening to this, this show, listen to Jr about his experience, his traumas. And JR has been through a lot, literally been through war. 
literally survived being blown up. And so if JR can do this, there's hope for you. Anyway, go ahead, JR. Yeah. So there's a lot that goes into play of why I kind of hit under a rock, but it boils down to one key word, which is purpose. And I'm sure most of the listeners on here that if they, if they pay attention to anything, that statistics show that there's 22 veterans a day that commit suicide. And I, I know several people that I had deployed with that end up committing suicide. And actually one of them just recently in past December, and he had a child married, great job and had another baby on the way. And yet he decided to take his own life. I don't know what demons he was facing or what he was going through. I haven't spoken to him for probably seven years, but I can tell you that a big cause of it is due to lack of purpose. And when we fight different, when we're fighting different demons that go on inside of our head. So yeah. So in 2014 and 15, I was losing all of that. You know, I was, I was felt like I was being attacked by all the demons that I had and just kind of living a life of just of survivor's guilt and just depression and just not wanting anything to do with people or society and just didn't really care anymore. And I just kind of was at the point of almost giving up. And, uh, I, 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 I had my bootcamp business in three different cities. I was in St. Louis, North Carolina, South Carolina, had more than 20, 30 instructors working for me. I had hundreds and hundreds of clients. And I, I pretty much shut down the business overnight and just wow. sending out an email to everyone and saying, Hey guys, it was a good ride, but I'm done. And didn't want anything to do with it anymore. And, uh, and that's when I went hiding underneath the rock and just stopped caring. I needed, I needed some time to kind of find me again. And it, it took a, it t- was about a year, maybe two year process for me to kind of go through it. You know, we, at the time, me and my wife, we, in 2016, we were playing, we were, we had our first child. He's six now. And then we were moving across country over to Virginia from St. Louis and just kind of have a fresh start and doing something new. And I started regaining and finding my purpose again. And, you know, for me, it's truly my family. It's my kids. And I got three kids now, which I'm very blessed and thankful for. And just, uh, but it took me a couple of years to really find that again and get that fire and that itch and be like, you know what? I don't want to work for anyone else again. I want to, I want to build my own thing and I want to find what brings me, what fills my cup and what brings me happiness and, yeah. and be able to help other entrepreneurs really start and build and grow their businesses really fulfills my cup. I just love giving back, giving the tools of things that I've learned throughout my entire life through education, through coaches and through, you know, all the courses that I've ever invested in to really do it. And that's, that's kind of where I'm at today. So in 2017, I launched, uh, you know, my consulting business, I had an advertising agency. I owned a, a publication franchise at the time and just really started getting back to entrepreneurship and launching, um, some businesses. And I, I haven't, I haven't stopped since and been full-time consulting since 2019 full-time doing that. So it's been, it's been it. a good ride. So yeah. JR, one of the things that I find now, just to be clear, JR is not addicted to porn or anything like that, but he'd certainly had some major struggles to, uh, to work through. But the guys that I coach, you said about that, having that purpose, that's what I find is lacking in most of them is that they don't have a purpose or there's a purpose that they would like to be doing that they're not doing. And there is a speaker uh, by the name of Les Brown. He's an awesome guy. And he has a saying that if you're not pursuing your purpose, you are committing spiritual suicide. And so I feel like my job is to help 
find these guys that are addicted to porn or whatever to find their purpose and a big purpose or or one kind of side thing that a lot of the guys have found is music. Like one guy used to play the guitar and he got his guitar back out. And finally he's actually on the stage and is starting a band. And so having a purpose is critical, crucial into overcoming an addiction or anything in life. Right, JR? Yeah, I think purpose is everything because like when going back to like the military, when we take off that uniform, we lose identity, which is another huge component of it, but we lose purpose. Like our identity was our rank in the uniform that we had and what you did. So like they called me RP3 Spear, which was RP was my job. Three stood for third class petty officer, my last name Spear. And that was my identity. That's what everyone knew me as. That was my purpose. My purpose was the military and the missions that we were going on. And when you take off that uniform, you pretty much strip off everything. So you lose hope, you lose direction, you lose mission of where you're going. And if you don't have a mission and you don't have a purpose or direction of where you're going, it's really hard to know what you're chasing after. And if you don't have anything to chase it after, you just go through a monotonous schedule and just let, and just allow anything in life to come over and take over with you. I mean, porn isn't the only addiction. Food is an addiction. You know, there's so many different things that anything can become an addiction and we all gravitate towards other things. So for me, I'm an emotional eater. So when I'm stressed, when I'm tired, when I'm bitter, when I'm, uh, you know, going through a bunch of different things, I want to go towards food and that's an addiction as well. But I will tell you like right now, even in my life right now, I am going, I am really pursuing uh, taking care of my health and really making sure I'm exercising regularly, that I'm eating properly. And I painted the picture of what I want it to look like and why. I want to be healthy. So I want to be able to take care of my kids and I want to be able to participate in sports. I want to, I, I'm, I'm speaking on a lot of stages. I'm speaking at a lot of events and doing workshops and I want to look good on camera. I want to feel good when I'm in round, round of the people. So if you feel good, you're going to look good. And if you feel good and look good, you're going to have the confidence to do what it takes to complete the mission that you're on. And purpose is everything. If you don't know your identity and if you don't have lack of purpose, you really are going to lose the direction of where you're going to go. And one thing that people value most in life is their own personal name. And we got to figure out what do we want people to remember us as. Oh my gosh, JR, you are speaking to me. Like you have no idea you are speaking to me. Everything you're saying here is like, Wow, I'm just blown away. You talk about painting the picture of the person that you want to be and that name. Because as you see here, call myself Powerful Eric. The reason I call myself Powerful Eric is because I went through all these addiction programs and most of them said, you say you are powerless over the addiction. I did that for almost two decades. I said I was powerless over porn. Hi, my name is Eric Suzak. I am a sexaholic and I am powerless over porn. That's how I would introduce myself. That's how we were taught to introduce ourselves. And so finally, one day after clearly this wasn't working, I was still deep into the addiction after almost two decades and 12-step programs. And I thought to myself, you know, I was creating, I found, I was searching and I found this little app to help overcome addictions. And I thought, you know what? I've been calling myself powerless, Eric, for decades. So just on a whim, when I was creating my login and password, I thought, you know what? I'm going to put powerful Eric as my login. And that day, powerless, pitiful, porn addicted Eric died and powerful Eric was born. So I love what you're talking about, painting that picture of that person. And then I went on to actually describe, uh, list out who is powerful, like what are his characteristics, what are his beliefs, what are his values? And so the name actually, I don't 
go down the street and induce myself as powerful, Eric. But when I work with a client, I do have them come up with what I call their power name. And then we, we build that person. That's awesome. Yeah. We, we have to be able to see what, what that is. And when I talk about the thing that they, that the one thing we value most in life is their own name. And as the RP, you know, the chaplain's assistant, I'll, I'll never forget. Like at my first duty station was in Quantico, Virginia. So, and I worked at OCS officer Canada school. So I was part of the staff that pushed off Marine Corps officers through the program before they got commissioned. And I did all the training with them. So like when we're stepping out in ODARC 30 and doing the, the hikes and things like that, these candidates are absolutely miserable. They can't, in, in the middle of the night going through the woods, you can't see two feet in front of you. And you got all the their drill instructors yelling at them, telling them to be quiet, look straight ahead and, and just chewing them out. And yet I am this smiling person that is coming there trying to give them a little bit of hope that, hey, it's going to be okay. You can push through. But one thing I want to, that I really thought was the, was the most powerful piece was my goal was to always try to get to know these candidates by name because there's, that's the only identity that they really had that's truly who they are, and that gives them hope. Because when they're in there, they're no longer powerful Eric. They are now candidate. And so they lose their identity of who they are and their name while they're going through this training. So I made it a focus of getting to know these candidates by name. So when we're, I'm going on this hike with them, they're absolutely miserable. They're tired. They're hungry. They're exhausted. And they, they just lack of sleep and, and fatigue and everything else. And I'm calling them by name and saying, hey, Eric, you know, what's going on? How are things going? And that just gives them that little inch of hope and them remembering who they actually are. And that when you, when you can really remember who you are as a person and, you know, and things like that, it gives you that extra hope and talking about purpose. You know, I struggled with my purpose forever and I always battled with like, okay, what is my true purpose? Okay. My purpose is to help small business owners. My purpose is to help people lose weight. My purpose is to help kids with care development to get their black belts. And so they can become great citizens in society. But it wasn't until I think it was probably a year ago or two years ago, I woke up out of bed and, you know, popped up in the morning. It was really early and it just like clicked. It was like a light bulb that went off. And I'm, I'm a Christian, I'm a man of faith. And so when I woke up and that light bulb went off and it was like, my purpose is to disciple my kids to be leaders and followers of Christ. And that's it. That's my mission. That's my purpose. So everything that I do aligns to helping to disciple them to be leaders and disciples of Christ. And so like what I do on here and be able to speak and do in my business, they're paying attention. They're observing how I interact with people. They're observing how I treat other people. They're observing how I take care of myself. They're observing like when I'm teaching them about the Bible and how to worship and how to, you know, what, what it means to be a disciple, everything that goes with it, that is my main mission and purpose in life. And if it doesn't revolve around there to be able to provide and lead them, then it doesn't belong in my life. And that is the fire that actually gets me going. And here's the other thing too. I teach all of my clients about, you know, purpose and identity and things like that. If your purpose doesn't burn a fire so deep inside of your gut that keeps you going to do what you got to do to keep moving forward, then it's not big enough. Then you got to keep working on figuring out what that is. If it's easy to hit that snooze button, if it's easy to, Hey, I'm going to go hang out with my friends rather than go do the things that you got to do for whatever it may be. If it's easy to say, you know what, screw it. I'm just going to go drink a six pack and eat a, a pizza rather than go to the gym and do what I need to do to keep, stay healthy. If it's too easy to do that, rather than focusing on the things that needs to get done, then your purpose is not big enough because you need to paint that picture of what you're chasing after. What is that mission? What is that vision? What is the destination that you want to go after? And then your purpose needs to align with that, that it creates the steps and the process to help you get there. So you know what you're chasing. And if that flame isn't strong enough inside of that gut that keeps you moving, 
then it's not big enough. And That's everyone insane. likes to say their why. Everyone likes to say, what is your why? I get it, but it's bigger than your why. It's more than just your purpose. It's it's the mission that you're on. And every single person needs to focus on what is your mission in life and what are you chasing after? And then you create that step and that process and that, you know, the, that purpose that, that helps you get there. I love what you're talking about. That flame inside of you. The guys that contact me, their flame is pretty much out. They're just throwing themselves into porn or alcohol, drugs every single day. That flame inside you, there is a quote, and I'm paraphrasing it, and I don't remember exactly the person. I know she was perhaps, I think she was a nun. I could be wrong about that. I know it was some type of religious figure. And she basically said, when you live on purpose, meaning having found your person, you live your purpose you will set the world on fire because you've got that fire in your belly. And so if you are living on purpose, you are going to set the world on fire. Actually, that quote was on the wall when I went into a church office. It was on the quote. I wish I could remember who it was, but that purpose, that fire, if you are addicted to porn or addicted to alcohol or whatever, or stuck in some trauma, Try and find your purpose. JR, what would you say to someone that's like, oh, that sounds good and everything, but, you know, basically, I don't know what I want to do when I grow up. <laughs> yeah. You know, I start looking at their family origins and I start figuring out the things and likes and that brings passion into their life. And and we start dialing them back from there because, you know, there's always, I, I want to give a really good example. One of my clients, he helps people that, so, that have MS or have some autoimmune disorder. And there, there's a book, I can't remember the name of it, but it's called like the seven wise. And it really helps you figure out the desire of what it is. And so we're trying to figure out his message and put it together. And he's giving me all these superficial things and where it's like, Hey, he wants to help you with autoimmune disorders. So they stop stuttering. I was like, okay, well, why do they want to stop stuttering? And he's like, well, just so they can, you know, walk normal in public. And I go, well, why do they want to walk normal in public? So they have the confidence to talk to people. Why do they want to have the confidence to talk to people? And I kept digging deep. And it came down to one specific word. They want to feel normal. That's it. And it boiled down to it. And then he was about to cry because he has MS himself. And we're, we're talking about it. I said, look, that's your answer right there. It's not, yes, they want all these other things, but the reality is and the big desire is you just want to feel normal. And so most people, when they are, are stuck and they're like, hey, I don't know what I want to be when I grow up, or I don't even know where to start. I mean, it starts with a small little thing of what brings you some sort of happiness and joy. And, and sometimes that's hard to even think about what that even is. But you got to dig deep to really think about it. It's like, okay, when you find that small thing, it's like, you know what? It brings me joy when I go outside and go for a walk. Well, why does that bring you joy? Well, because I like the fresh air that, that goes through my face when I do it. Well, why, why, is that, why, why is that important to you? Well, I enjoy kind of going out and be on, be on my own. Well, why, why do you want to be on your own? Because there's not a lot of noise that goes around me and I just need to have peace and quiet. Well, why do you need that peace and quiet? And so you keep digging deep and deeper on figuring out what are those small little things and then asking those seven whys of why that's important to really draw in that big desire. And once you can start with one small win, you can build on that to make another big win. I'm going to give another example. One of my clients, you know, she she's had a ton of success in business, but recently she had to make a shift in her business when she started working with me. And it's been probably about nine months since she started working with me. And she never really sold any high ticket type service. She's an online uh, fitness coach and nutritionist. And she's used to selling like $98 programs. I'm like, you're offering your program, like you need to be selling this for $2,000, $3,000 for what you have to offer. And she didn't really believe that she can do it. So I finally got 
her to selling, you know, $300. And then I got her to 500 and then 750. And then um, as of today, she sold her very first high ticket program for $2,500. Well, it was a process for me to get, to get her there and really help her build the confidence on that she is worth it and that people are willing to pay for what you have to give. But it started with one small win and building her confidence. Like, okay, if you can't do $97, then let's let's bump it up just a little bit so you can gain your confidence. Now let's figure out what is the value that you can give your audience that gives you the joy, that gives you the purpose, that makes them feel like they're achieving something. So once you start gaining that confidence, you're like, man, people people needed to pay this for like even more money. I say, okay, let's jump in your next client for 500. Now it's due to 750. Now it's due to 1,000. And I kept creeping it up and we kept making her program that much bigger. But we started with something small. Got to track those small wins. And for someone that doesn't have joy, they don't know what they want to do in life and they don't know how to get to the next step, you start with the small little things that brings even a little satisfaction and joy. And then ask yourself those seven questions of why. So when you give an answer, Ask yourself why that's important. When you give an answer, ask yourself why that one's important. And it's going to keep digging deep. And then once you start doing that, and a good book is called uh, Atomic Habits. So if anyone's listening- Love the book. So Atomic Habits is talking about, you know, doing one small thing every day to draw you closer, like 1%, forget what the exact words he does. But the the truth is you, you find that one win that brings you joy and you you show up and you do it again until it becomes a habit. And then you add on to it and make it even better. And then you do that until it becomes a habit and you keep increasing and increasing and increasing even your, your, your environment, which truthfully, if anyone is suffering from porn addiction, if they're suffering from any type of anxiety or anything like that, I always tell people first, yes, you need to know your purpose, but also you need to look at your environment because we are influenced by our environment and the people that we surround ourselves with. So if you're hanging around people that are drinking and looking at porn, guess what you're going to do? You're going to keep drinking and looking at porn. If you are hanging around people that are eating chips and beer and, and or drinking beer and every single day or weekends or whatever like that, and guess what? You're going to do the same thing. Now let's reverse it. If you want to hang around smart people because you want to be smart, you need to hang around smart people. If you want to be rich, you need to hang around rich people. If you want to be influenced by high-level achievers, you need to put yourself around high-level achievers. But if you want to continue staying poor and staying, uh, staying dumb and not increasing of who you are, then stay in your environment and don't change it. Because if you stay where you're at, you're never going to make any change and move forward in life. So it's not just about your purpose, but you also got to change your environment to be, surround yourselves around people that are being bigger, that are being better, so that way you can be better yourself. And then if you are in that circle in a lion in a, in a den of lions you are going to be changed and hungry to want to go further yeah and what's great now with the internet it's easy to do that you can find a meetup group on any topic that you possibly want that people are slaying it in whatever sales field or whatever and you can go out and be with those people that can lift you up rather than pull you down that's a, a common thing that i recommend for my clients, when they come to me is, you know, instead of going to a friggin' 12-step meeting and focusing on addiction and problems and, and porn, go to a meeting that maybe it's, maybe you're into bicycling and you get into doing a triathlon, like, you know, go to the, that meetup group every week and talk about training for that triathlon and, and get together and do things like that rather than focusing on the problem. 100%. So, Jay, so, JR, I, I want to get back a little bit to what you were saying. So your name was RP3 Spear, is that correct? 
Yeah, that was my identity in the military. RP, RP was my job. Three recognized me as my rank, and then Spear is my last name. RP three Spear. That's cool. I just like the sound of that. So you had lost your identity when you got out, which is very common, I understand. And I, someone that I know personally that had a very successful career job, retired, and was also very depressed afterwards because he had lost his identity as well. So what would you say to somebody that has lost their identity either through coming out of the military or retired, or maybe they have never even really built that? Do you have any uh, directions for that person? Yeah. It goes back to what we were just talking about the whole time. Before you can know your identity, you got to know your purpose. You got to know what you're chasing after. And then once you figure out what you're chasing after, what your destination is and where you want to go, then you're going to create that image and that person and become that person that's going to allow you to be able to achieve the results that you want to be able to get. So someone that's getting out, I mean, of course, we can all go be like, hey, I'm retired, so I guess I'll just uh, sit and watch TV all day or go sit on the golf course every day or go fishing on the boat every day, and that's going to get old really fast. So if you don't have you know some sort of purpose of where you're going and, and a destination, it's really hard to create the person and become that person that needs to be to be able to get to where you want to go. So yeah. that purpose is always the start to the, even the identity. And JR, you might appreciate this story. Now, this is a true story. It's about a golden Buddha, but you can call it the golden Christ or whatever. But uh, that's why I keep this over my shoulder here. There's a story a thousand years ago or so. These uh, monks had created this giant golden Buddha, but they learned an invading army was coming. So they knew it would be melted down for the gold. So they, they buried it. That's one of the stories. They buried another one. They said they covered it with clay. Regardless, they disguised it and, and it did work. The invading army did come and they did not find the golden Buddha. Unfortunately, though, they killed everyone that knew about it, all the all the, the monks. Mm. So a hundred two years, 200 years passes. No one knows it's there. And the uh, there's a new set of monks there and one's outside meditating, praying and on the hill, he sees a little glimmer of light. It was a, a sunshiny day. He's like, what's that? And he goes to investigate and starts to unearth, find a little gold. He gets the other monks, and they unearth this massive golden Buddha. And that is us. That you call, Like I said, you can call it the golden Christ within. And that's all of us. We were born, we weren't born as porn addicts or sex addicts or drug addicts or whatever. You know, we're born this beautiful soul, and then we get buried and problems and addictions and traumas. We get buried in all that stuff and we can't see who that that person really is. So I, I tell my clients, I said, well, we're going to build this person, but actually really it's more like we're revealing that person unto you because that is who you really are. Yeah, absolutely. It's awesome, man. So after having had that trauma and you were, you had hit away from the world for a, a while and now you are back on track, right? Yeah. So I'm on fire. You're on fire. I love it. So that is definitely a man on purpose. He is on fire. I'm with you too. I've got my red shirt on and I am a bit older than you. I'm uh, 52. And at 52, I, I'm, not, I'm totally, I feel like I'm just now beginning. I'm just getting started. So yeah. GR, what would you suggest to someone to get started? I know we got to wrap up here very shortly for someone that is 
maybe they have an addiction or a trauma that they're trying to get over and they want to get into the business world, or maybe they have an idea that they want to go with, what would be a first step? What is something that they could do? Yes. So first, the first thing I always tell people, no joke is to hire a coach because you can't go through, you can't go through things alone. And even, even if we say, Hey, you know what? I can figure this out. I'm, I'm savvy. I can use YouTube. That's great. But there's going to be problems that arise and having a coach is going to help guide you and get you to want to go. So that's always my first advice. And someone says, what do I need to do to start first? You need to hire a coach, whether it's me or anyone else that you trust that helps solve the problems that you got. You need to hire a coach. The second thing is you got to change your environment. So you got to look at the people that you're surrounding yourselves with the things that you're consuming. So even from a social media standpoint, um, I always, I, I always laugh at, at my wife because I don't watch the news. I don't consume junk. Either. I don't even listen. I don't even listen to the news. I don't even read the newspaper. And if it wasn't for my wife, I wouldn't even know what's going on in the world. Mm -hmm. And so, but she sees all these different feeds on her social media. She's like, you didn't see this. This is all over Facebook and Instagram and all these different things. I was, no, I don't see any of that stuff because I'm not clicking on different things to be able to fill my feed. If you go to my feed, it's all about business strategies, health, wellness. I mean, things that are, that are elevating me to become better. So for someone that looks, wants to build a business or become better at whatever they want to do, they have to really look at one, the environment, the people they're hanging around, but what are they consuming on a daily basis? And they need to make a choice that they're consuming things that's only going to help elevate them and move them forward to where they want to go. And porn, so is, not, and porn is uh, probably not, if you're consuming a lot of porn, that is not helping. <laughs> but when, when it comes to the addictions, I mean, of course, I'm going to remove move the environment and the things around me that's going to cause me to stumble. Right. So hire a coach, change your environment, the people you're hanging around, the people that you're influenced by, the things that you're influenced by, the things that you're consuming. I mean, I would definitely start there and then start figuring out like what brings you joy and excitement in life. And then you can create a program and offer or service based off of that. And then, then you can just kind of start building from there. Sounds great. So GR, if someone wants to reach out to you and would wants to check out what you have to offer or your services, how would they go about doing that? Really easy. Go to my website, jrspear.com. So it's JR and then S as in Sierra, P as in Papa, E as in Echo, A as in Alpha, R as in Romeo.com. So jrspear.com. And then they'll be able to you know, connect with me there, see a little bit about what I'm about, and then uh, kind of start the conversation from there. Any last words of wisdom, JR? Yes. So I always tell everyone is you got to figure out what your creed is. And creed is the name of my business. And it's my core values. It's our ethos. It's my beliefs. And it stands for commitment, resilience, excellence, execution, and discipline. And one thing I challenge everyone with is they need to figure out what is the one thing you're most committed to. They're going to be resilient, even through the most difficult times, showing up every day, giving your best and having the mental and physical discipline to complete your mission. So what is your creed? Love that. And speaking of creed, be sure to check out JR's podcast, the Daily Creed Podcast. And with that, I will close with this quote that says, you are designed for accomplishment. You are engineered for success and you are endowed with the seeds of greatness. Are you struggling with porn addiction? Then schedule a free strategy call with Eric today at powerfuleric.com or call 314-717-0377.